from the Pepsi Studios in Scottsdale, Arizona, it's the Hospitality Hangout featuring the Finance Guy and the Restaurant Guy. Jimbo, we've got a great show and we are live from IFMA, the International Food Service Manufacturers Association's President's Conference. Jimmy, it is a great show and I got to tell you, where are you coming from, Jimbo? I'm coming to you live from Brickle. I'm down in Miami for the Global Restaurant Leadership Conference. But I got to say, we might be dividing and conquering, but the favor goes to IFMA because IFMA gets the podcast. You're patching me into Arizona and all the guys at RLC. We'll see you next time. Not this time, guys. You, did, you didn't get the nod. Well, you know, Jim, but we didn't know how long we're going to be there. We didn't know what was going on. I mean, you're, you're down at the Global Restaurant Leadership Conference and then you hit the Palm Beach for another private equity private event. Equity I mean, event. You're bopping around. So let's take it away, Jimbo, because we got a All great right. podcast. We do have a great show. What a fantastic lineup. And nothing more so than right now. Listen, thank more formally. And yeah, we're so formal. More formally. Thank you so much for joining us with a hospitality hangout, a hospitality focused podcast where the founders are branded, share their insights, and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the finance guy. I'd like to introduce my partner, Mr. Michael Schatzberg also known as The Restaurant Guy. And Madonna. And Madonna. Hey, thanks for that introduction, Jimmy. And to all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. Together, we're the personalities behind branded hospitality ventures. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. Okay, listen. Hey, Jimmy, I think we, we ought to guess, and I'm going to tell you, he's, he's, he's getting antsy. He's been here a half hour because your sound didn't work. Yes. I also would say he's thinking about uh, terminating his communications director for putting him in this position. So let's not yes. get his communication director terminated on this beautiful Monday down in Miami. So go ahead, Shatsy, kick us off. Well, I got to tell you, George McCaro, CEO at Ted's Montana Grill. And, you know, usually we give guests gifts when they come on the podcast, not with Ted. This guy is, when, when you talk about hospitality, Ted is hospitality. You know what he came with, Jimmy? Two gift cards for us. He came with it. gift cards. Because, you know, Ted's got a big store in New York City, right in Midtown, near Rock Center. So me and you are going to have dinner or lunch with Ted, and he already gave us $40 off. So I'm really looking forward to that. So let's kick it off. George, thanks so much for joining us in the podcast. Before we dig in, we'd like to find out how our guests came to their current positions. So let's just talk. Let's go back. We're going back a few years, okay? 1995, you're at Ohio State University. Yeah, before it was before that 1986 <laughs> political science you're thinking political science do i want to be the governor do i want to be a mayor what do i want to do i will but i want to be in politics but no but no you opened the first ever longhorn steakhouse in 1981 is this correct it's correct that is correct all right jimmy i knew we had something right and i gotta tell you he fought he founded ted's montana grill in january of 2002 there are currently 44 Ted's locations in 18 states. Tell us, how did you go from Ohio State political side? You thought you were going to be the governor or, or a senator, but no, you come into restaurants. Shatsy, wow. can I just show our guests some respect? Please, it is the Ohio State. Yeah. Please, Shatsy, oh, please. Thank you, Jimbo. That's true. Number one, the um, Ohio State. The Ohio State. Well, listen, thank you for having me on, you guys. It's a lot of fun. It's always good to be here. I love our industry. I got a job when I was 16 for gas money and the restaurant bug got in my head. And I was supposed to go to law school and I got a job in the restaurant standards as a busboy. And again, I fell in love with it. So 
my course of action was I went to work for a company called Victoria Station Restaurant, Prime Rib House, worked my way up, and they moved me from Cincinnati, Ohio, down to Atlanta, Georgia, where I've been ever since 1976. And in 1981, I founded the first Longmore Steakhouse on Peachtree Road on a 40-mile-an-hour curve with a one-way driveway and brought, you know, what we call high-quality Texas honky-tonk saloon to the public. And we really struggled the first year, but we took off. And 10 years later, I took it public. And we ended up buying the Capitol Grill and Bugaboo Creek restaurants from Ned Grace. And turned it into rare hospitality in 97. And in 2001, I retired as a chairman and CEO of the company. And I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I had been watching Ted Turner try to bring bison to America's table and uh, Satan species along the way and create, you know, a market for that wonderful product. And I approached him with a business deal. And we became partners. You made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Is that true? Well, let's put it this way. At the time, he was worth about nine or $10 billion and he was accumulating large pieces of land and he wanted the bison. And we had four pillars, save the great American bison, help the bison ranchers, give his family and future generations the ability to financially hold on to all these vast properties, 2 million acres of ranch land he accumulated. And build a restaurant company we could be proud of and that was profit. We accomplished all that, doubled the size of the herd, brought bison to America's table. It's available in every grocery store in America. And along the way, I settled in Atlanta and have some fine dining restaurants. I've been in all sorts of different. What's the canoe? What's the canoe? Canoe is a James Boyd award-winning restaurant that was opened in 1995. Georgia local restaurant, sustainable and organic. Before that was all cool. It's on the river in, in the Vineyards in, in Atlanta, Georgia. And we've been luckily there for 29 years. I love it. Hey, Jimmy, you know what you and George have in common? Really What's long that? intros. Really long intros. I, mean, I like the intro. intro. By the way, Shatsy, George was dropping nuggets of knowledge. He casually mentioned like it, it was, that's going to slip by almost everyone. Like he just listeners. called Tick Turner on the phone. Well, that, that, that's not gonna, that's not gonna slip past any uh, of our listeners. He talked about the turn, the 40 mile an hour turn and the driveway yeah. he had without to a lot of restaurateurs. We know that's a big headache. If you're in and out driveway is facing a 40 mile an hour turn on the road, yeah. you know, you good. It, that's not good. And yet there's a great story here. So that's that, that location might have been somewhat questionable given the driveway, but I love the knowledge he was dropping. Listen, George. It's not every day. It's actually, it's rare that we have a 40-year a restaurant uh, veteran on the show. So I hope you'll allow me to do a little bragging on your behalf. Actually, I'm spending some time with Nation's Restaurant News. They're good friends of ours down here at the Global RLC. They said they, you've been titled with the Dinner House Legend, and you're credited for giving birth to an entire casual dining segment. Whether or not you want to own that or not, I got to tell you, that's how Nation's Restaurant News Talked about you when you founded Longhorn Steakhouse. That you that established Chris Keating, this entire. What's that? You talking to Chris Keating down there? Yes. Nice. I am. I am. I am. But can you go back and share with us a little bit how you turned a single unit Longhorn, now with a driveway we know is a challenge, into the multi-unit casual dining phenomenon that it became? 
Yeah, well, thank you very much and, and for that. And, and actually, we were first to the market with what we're going to call Texas Roadhouse. Later, there's been eight or nine publicly traded companies that were similar to. Mm-hmm. I was actually partners with Jamie Coulter and Lone Star and, and sold them a license many times. But the very beginning was this. Yes, we were on in a very questionable location, but I could afford the rent. And, you know, I had could afford to build a restaurant, which I did. I designed it on my dining room table. And I sat there the first night we opened. I had 300 of my closest friends in for free food and beverage. The night before, I thought it was going to be an overnight success. Right. We did 14 lunches and 21 dinners. Restaurants healthy for it ever succeeded. <laughs> but I'm stuck there. And I deliver, you know, great food, great service, great attitude, and a fun, haughty tone saloon. And quality always speaks well to the consumer. That and consistent, genuine hospitality. And after a year, we realized our business was thriving. And after two years, we opened the second restaurant. We continued to grow restaurants in the Georgia and Southeast marketplace. And then we took advantage of, of taking the company public. You know, in 92, ironically, Lone Star went out two weeks before us and everybody had assumed that they were the first in the marketplace, but Longhorn was the first Texas Hawking Talks. I love it. I got to tell you, have you ever written a book? Me? Yeah. Not yet. I got to tell you, it, it sounds like you got, you've got a lot of information and you got a lot of great stories. It sounds to me like you, you got to write a book. If you were, it, when you write it, when you write it. What, give me a story. Give me a great story that you can remember in your restaurant career. Like that, that's just unbelievable. That, that would be like a, either a chapter, just a great anecdote or a great story about the restaurant business. Cause I, I Jimmy and I, he, Jimmy started as a bartender. I started a bartender as a bartender. I mean, we always have some great story. Give me a great. Yeah. Well, I started as a bartender too. I worked my way from busboy to barman and a bartender. And I just want to say something real quick about our industry. Most people that are successful, whether they're in the C-suite as a CEO or independent restaurateurs, all started as an hourly team member. And that's mm-hmm. the beauty of our business. The upward mobility is, is unlimited. So those of you that don't know, the restaurant is a great place to build a career. But anyway, so I opened that restaurant in August of, of 1981, the first lawnmower. And I told you, we were on a 40 mile an hour curb coming down the bottom of the hill. I, at the end of January, 1982, we had a terrible snowstorm in Atlanta. In Atlanta, when it snows, nobody knows how to drive. Nobody's <laughs> prepared to drive. And, you know, it also oftentimes turns to ice. So we had this massive snowstorm and I'm sitting at the bar with a friend of mine, bemoaning the fact that we're doing no business, right? Probably having a few cocktails. And I had one of those little signs on the side of the building with a blinking arrow and the plastic letters on it. Anything to get them in. The city had arrested me and told me I had to put it away, yeah. but I still had it. So I looked out and it's all these cars slipping and sliding down the hill of people abandoning the cars, walking up, snow coming down. And I said, now I'm going to put a sign out, bricks and dollar while it snows. I love it. I put a sign <laughs> out with the blinking arrow said, bricks and dollar while it snows. I didn't really think about the fact that there wasn't any of my team members that were going to be able to get to work and you employees and I lived up the street. This is a true story. So I called everybody. I said, you've got to get in here. People are starting to come in and I managed to get a few friends and a few other people. And here's what I know. That night we did $700 across the bar. 
at a dollar a drink. The place was mobbed. We had a great night. It's a snow jam of, of 1982. And we were fortunate because our little restaurant was just down the street from the hospitals and the power stayed on. So all weekend I had everybody sleep at my apartment and we went down and served the community. And in many folklore stories, it's one of the reasons why Longboard took off. I love it. I love it. That's great. And by the way, seven or bucks a dollar a drink. By the way, I like snow jam. Yeah, Jim, if I was the bartender there, you know how much money he would have made? Yeah, that'd be zero. zero. The reason why we had to promote Shatsy to, uh, to managing partner was when he was behind the bar, he couldn't manage the, uh, the serve the guests and, and run the register. So he would always just give the drinks and say, well, settle, I'll settle up with you later. I'll settle up with you later. And basically we were like, you know what? We ought to get him out from behind the bar and let him, let him, let him run the joint, but don't let him run the register. Yeah, you had a hand up like, like four Corona. What, what do I, now you'll get me later. You'll get you'll me get back. Me, you get know? me later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's Michael, not, get you later, Shatsy. It's not good practice. That's why Jimmy said that they took me away from the bar. <laughs> yeah, get away it's from the bar. good practice, you know. If there's one constant in the restaurant industry, it's change. Whether you're a growing brand trying to build cutting-edge experiences for your guests or a national leader with thousands and thousands of stores looking to update your tech stack, well, Toast brings together proven technology, expertise, and innovations you need to drive change and spark growth. That's right. Drive change and spark growth. From front of house to back of house and everything in between, corporate teams, franchisees, enterprise brands, mom pops, SMBs, you name it, everyone is loving Toast. With over 100,000 operators using Toast, you know, you know it's the best POS out there. And many more trust hosts to help them stay ahead of the curve and thrive in this changing restaurant world that we love. To learn more about Toast, go to ToastTab.com. That's ToastTab.com. And I got to tell you, you're going to love it. Mention Shatsy, and I think they're going to give you some crazy discount. Well, listen, uh, you, George, you've had an extraordinary career. Again, many people, including ourselves, we would only dream of to aspire to achieve. I actually think we should do an entire segment of 40 questions over 40 years, and we could get one question uh, spanning each year of your career. But, but given the time constraints, how about three of the greatest lessons you've learned? Maybe one from the early, maybe uh, one from the, the growth, and one from recent history. The three, maybe three lessons that you could share for aspiring hospitality folks. Well, number one is the first lesson I learned because I had a part at the very beginning of Longhorn and he was supposed to have the money and I was supposed to have the expertise and I was supposed to manage the business and we didn't have good paperwork. I didn't really investigate what was going on. It was kind of a handshake deal. It turned out he didn't have the money. So the restaurant could shut down in the middle of construction and we were out of money and you all know you can't peddle a, a young i was 30 years old kid's resume at the bank and try to get a loan and you know i literally got a job as a bartender on the street pay the rent keep lights like, going. classic i love it and i refocused and wrote a business plan and i went and got my father and two other investor friends i had to come up with the money buy that partner out start the business 
So I guess lesson number one with me is know your finances, stability, and have some extra money in the bank because I forgot I wrote the plumber a check for seven grand. And when we opened the door, we were out of cash and I was $7,000 overdrawn at the bank. Yeah. That's not a good place to be. So it always costs more. You never an overnight. We always say whatever you think it costs, double it. Exactly. So, so have, have good financial footing before you get started. N- number two, I think the biggest lesson I learned along the way is you can't do it without great people. And it's creating a culture of inclusion, a, a culture of fun, a culture of, of genuine hospitality, treating each other with honor, dignity, and respect, and welcoming guests into our restaurants and get their coming into our own hall. And when you say hello and goodbye to every guest and make them feel important, they come back for more. Yep. And it's a given you've got to cook the food right. It's a given you've got to have a place to you know, is accessible, et cetera. Yep. But the truth of the matter is it's that genuine hospitality at the front door. And that's how we won people over at Longboard. We just couldn't believe it. And, and I'd say that the, the next bigger lesson is when you go out to finance your restaurant, if you're going to go, this isn't a knockout. We meet private equity investors in our business. We meet Wall Street in our business. But it changes the complex of how you're going to do business. Because what I learned very quickly when we went public is that Wall Street's looking for predictability. And the only thing predictable about the restaurant business is it's unpredictable. <laughs> That's for sure. So I used to say that in best banking community and they didn't like it, but I explained that we can do the best we can to try to understand predictability. But the truth of the matter is it's terribly unpredictable. We're all as good as the number of guests that come through the door every day. Yeah, snowstorms, weather, this type of thing. You just don't know. Well, how about a pandemic? Pandemic, <laughs> yeah, that was a good one too. That was Who a good one. Good. <laughs> that was a good one. You're right about that. <laughs> how about no, the real estate Yeah, those are all those are all great. And I want to go back to something you said a little while ago. You talked about you know the, almost like the democratization. Uh, you started out as a busboy or a barback. You worked your way up to working behind the bar. Shatsy, I was in a panel this morning, the opening panel of Global Restaurant Leadership Conference. Every panelist on this opening session cut their teeth on the floor. As George said, hourly worker, every one of them was a waiter, a delivery person, a cashier, all five for five had cut their teeth. Now they're CEOs, they're executives, da 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 da. But every one of them started commuting the business, man. It started the business. I think it's a very special place. And, and George, to your point, I'd even say it's, it's, it's misunderstood because of how yes. guests feel they understand it. They project their guest experience onto it, and it leads to a misunderstanding of what it actually takes to deliver the consistency and the quality and create value for the guests. And, and, and you said the, the delivering of the good food, that's, that's table stakes. That, that personalization, that greet the guests, say goodbye to the guests, that's where it becomes truly special. You know, I, I just, I, I think it's music to my ears to hear us have this conversation because, you know, we're the second largest private sector employer in the country. We have 15 plus million jobs out there. They're not dead end jobs. They're not burger flipper jobs. They're not minimum wage jobs. They might fill a moment in time when something's going on in your life and you need a part-time job or you need to work in the evening or you meet to get some money for school or whatever. And we fill that. We also fill your first job ever. 
But then there's the career path. Yep. And you look around at the majority of the CEOs of the biggest restaurant companies in this country, they all started as an hourly team member in the restaurant business. And we're also a business that is an apprentice business. It's not about getting a massive education. It's about learning to do it on the job. And the closer you are to the, to the, to the, to the guests, the more you'll understand what what we need to do to be successful in our place. That's a great point. I think it's great. On the Listen, job I training, wanna, Jimbo. I, it's, I, as you know, I believe in it. Listen, I want to, uh, we're going to shift into one of my favorite sections, talking back. Uh, Shats and I, clearly, we enjoy speaking to guests. Uh, I'm a good listener. Shatsy's the talker of our group. But that was sarcasm, Shatsy. But we created talking guests. We created talking back because we learned along the way that sometimes our guests have a question or two for us. So, George, we're going to give you the microphone. You can ask us anything. And as I like to say, nothing is off the table. George, the microphone is yours, my friend. Well, I'm very curious about, you know, I got in this business when it was a completely different business. But what do you all think about is the next big trend that that we're going to all have to deal with in terms of continuing to build great restaurants that serve the public where they want to be served? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I think when I look at it, Jimbo, I always go first because you always take it and make it a better answer. But I, yes. I think what we're seeing is kind of like a shift where I think you're getting, people are going to want to go out for more, more and more. People, a lot of people are saying, oh, no one wants to go out anymore. No one's, everyone's just going to sit home and order in. They're going to sit in front of their TV. I, I, I don't, that's not true. I just think that to get someone to go out, you need to give them a reason. So I think you really need, obviously, that'd be great food, but you really need an experience. So it's so more experiential things. And that could be, it could be fine dining. It could be great wine. It could be whatever. It could be, you see a lot of these restaurants opening now with the, the entertainment type things. You need to give somebody a reason to get off the couch and turn off the Netflix. So I think that that you're going to continue to see more and more and more of that because people do love to go out. They do love to socialize. And I think the, on the other side, I think you're going to see the footprints of some of the restaurants that, that are doing that, that, that delivery business or that pickup there, the footprints are going to shrink and it's going to be less people are going to be going into those kind of places to eat because it really isn't an experience. It's more of, I, I want lunch. I need a salad. I'm just going to go and grab it and go yeah, home or to the office. Necessary nerves. Yeah. So exactly. So I think you're going to kind of just see things kind of shifting to two sides and it's going to be the, the, the really terrific experiential, beautiful restaurants and doing all those great things that we talked about. And then it's going to be a smaller footprint where you're going to be just grab and go, you know, or someone's going to deliver that. That's, that's kind of the thing I, I see happening more and more. Jumbo, take it, run with it, Bobby. No, Shatcha, I think your answer is it's not your worst. It's, it's, it was not bad. It you was know, not bad. Is it complimentary somewhere? It was not bad. No, actually, what, actually, I think your answer was very good. What I was going to add, I, I learned, I've, I've, I've always felt that the amount of money that we spend on F and B is somewhat steady state. It might change how much we order in or how much we go out or how much we buy from groceries, but it's somewhat steady state. And actually the more numbers I look at, the more that actually is, is incredibly true. George, to, to your answer and, and, and kind of dovetailing Shatsy off your comments, I, I think, you know, the expression, we're going to have to meet the guests where they're at. For guests that we, you're going to see a huge proliferation, grocers are going to have this amazing prepared foods coming up now because you're going to the grocery store anyway, and they're all set up to have these you know, prepared meals. And you're going to see more of that. 
which means for the restaurant to earn your patronage, you're going to have to really deliver, pun was not intended, you're going to have to really offer them that experience. And I think given you know, the issues we're dealing with labor, for example, and we want people to earn a good living, we want a good livable wage. But the fact is there's certain jobs, I think, in the industry that we're going to have to really rethink and whether or not we can outsource them or we could leverage technology in a way that is still respectful and satisfies the guests, but where we take our labor and we actually turn them into guest ambassadors and almost enjoyment facilitators. And, and some of the mundane tasks, you know, you think about the, the robotic bussers that are basically carrying dirty dishes back to the kitchen. And I'm not making light of that, that role, but the fact that if it frees up a human, to check on that table one more time or to make sure that that guest feels seen and heard. So to George, I think we're going to have to really do a better job demonstrating that despite automation and despite some of the things that we're going to need to bring into our restaurants in order to have an attractive margin or an acceptable one, we're still going to have to really care about hospitality because the guest is going to see this automation. Yeah, he really, he give me some answer. And they're going to want to make sure we're still delivering. Shots are telling me to and shut George, up, and I respect George that. checking his watch on that answer, I'm, by the way. Sorry. He's I'm like checking his watch out. I couldn't agree with you more in the fact that I think we have necessary nourishment versus genuine hospitality and yep. experience. And what I've seen is people are willing to spend for that, but you've got to deliver that enhanced experience for them. Yes. Whatever the level of, uh, of your restaurant is, if it's fine dining, it's got to be executed perfectly. If it's entertainment, it's got to be done well. You know, we've got to go out and meet the customer what they're looking for. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's good. Good stuff, Jimbo. Hey, listen, Jim, we're going to rush into uh, the spices right right now. We are with the dinner legend, the legend of literally of casual dining sitting with us. And we are going to test his skills with Jimmy on the spices right. We are going to go, so without going over, pay prices right rules. I am going to ask you a question about menu and menu cost. A little something, okay? We're going to talk. Now, don't look. Don't look over here. I will. I think George was trying to. I was trying to look over there. Jimmy, he's trying to look at my answers there. He's a, he's a, uh, he's a cagey guy. He gets it. Jimbo, who loves the chicken yeah. and Popeye? Love that chicken and Popeye. Popeyes. We love, right? Okay. So the spice is right tradition without going over. Let's see if you know the cost of Popeye's combo meal. All right. Popeye's combo meal. The combo meal, the classic combo meal, which includes a classic chicken sandwich, one regular side and a small Pepsi, a small Pepsi. What is your best guess in dollars and cents? And this is priced based on Popeyes in Route 17 in New Jersey. Shout out to our favorite Popeyes over there, Route 17 in Jersey, Jimmy. Jimmy's never been in New Jersey. Jimmy, George, carry guess. Tom, let me $5.99. This is New Jersey now. This is not, you know, this is New Jersey. Jimbo, do you care to guess? Jimmy, let me get, let me ask again. Right, maybe can't go over it. This is a classic chicken sandwich, a regular side, and a small drink. I mean, I, I can't believe this is right. Jimmy, go ahead. You guess. I was going to say a penny, but I'm not. $7.95. I, I, I mean, it's $11.49. Are you sure this is right? $11.49. Jimmy, you win. You win. I mean, I can't believe I mean, that. If I'm, if I'm off by $4, I'm not sure that's a win. That's a very large percentage. Yeah, that's, so, I don't know. We're going to have to double check with our producer on that. Eleven forty nine for a chicken sandwich, a regular side, a small drink. I got to check Look, that Popeye's Route no, 17. No, first of all, don't, don't question the integrity of the numbers. We know our producer got it right. And I know, let me tell you something else I now know. 
Popeyes is not going to be sponsoring our podcast after what we just did to them. You're like, like, like hold on, like 17. Like, you're like, like 1195 for a, a, a simple Jimmy, Happy Meal? Jimmy, just so you know, it's a very large chicken sandwich. Did I mention that? A very large chicken sandwich. That sounds expensive. Anyway, listen, uh, George's got to go. We got one more segment. I got to go to the Branded Quick Fire. George, I'm going to ask you five lightning round questions. It's this Branded Quick Fire Arizona edition. You went out last night. You had a great time with your buddy. You went to a great restaurant, Eddie V's, I believe. Yep. I'm going to ask you five lightning round questions. Here we go. Arizona Cardinals or the Phoenix Suns? Cardinals. Favorite Arizona-born celebrity? Is it Stevie Nicks? Is it Mr. Alice Cooper? Emma Store? Emma Store. I don't even know who Emma Store is. I, I, Emma yeah. Stone. Emma Store. Emma Stone. Linda Carter. Linda, Linda Carter. It's Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Whoops. Yeah, Emma Stone or Linda Carter. I got to tell you, she was Wonder Woman. I got to tell you, I love that. Who is it? Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks. Can't go wrong with that. Cheerful. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark was filmed in Arizona. False. Not only was Raiders of the Lost Ark filmed in Arizona, but so were several scenes of the Temple of Doom. Yes, yes. I remember that. I thought that was in Petra and Lake Jordan, but what do I know? Okay. Do you come to Arizona to golf or for the canyons? Canyon. All right, here we go. If you are to be stranded in the desert, God forbid with Jimmy and I, God forbid Jimmy and I are stranded. That He's like, oh my God, please. If there's a God, it would never do this to me. <laughs> Who do you have better it's of, of survival with? Yeah, Is it you and me in, in the, the desert, desert or Jimmy and you in the desert survive? What do you think? Uh, uh, Why? Why are you picking Jimmy? I don't know. He just seemed. No. Uh, I seem like the guy that's going to get us to safety in chat. And, sh- and chat, you seem like the guy that got him got him stranded in the desert. <laughs> yeah, so I. You probably. Why don't we pick Jimmy? What is it? Why is Jimmy? Oh, yes. No, no, I want to borrow the accent. Okay. That so, alone, yeah. that alone all makes right, it worthwhile. Right. Well, Listen, I got to tell you, Jimmy, this was a great guest. We are really honored to have. This is a legend here. I mean, George's a legend. Really, we're so we're so fortunate. Jimmy, closing 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 statements. Yeah, before no, we move, George, George got to go eat lunch. Lunch. Yep, I want to say thank you so much for joining us. You dropped a lot of knowledge and insights, and and I can't wait to expound upon them and 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 boost them on some of the other things because really, you've you've been a tremendous. Again, you've advanced this industry. You've created opportunities for guys like us to actually create fast casual and, and be part of it. And we appreciate you. And we thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. If there's one constant in the restaurant industry, it's change. Whether you're a growing brand trying to build cutting edge experiences for your guests or a national leader with thousands and thousands of stores looking to update your tech stack. Well, Toast brings together proven technology, expertise, and innovations you need to drive change and spark growth. That's right. Drive change and spark growth. From front of house to back of house and everything in between, corporate teams, franchisees, enterprise brands, mom pops, SMBs, you name it, everyone is loving Toast. With over 100,000 operators using Toast you know, you know it's the best POS out there. And many more trust hosts to help them stay ahead of the curve and thrive in this changing restaurant world that we love. To learn more about Toast, go to ToastTab.com. That's ToastTab.com. And I got to tell you, you're going to love it. Mention Shatsy, and I think they're going to give you some crazy discount.